This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good evening. Good to see you. Praise the Lord. They said, let there be light, and there was light. And I, I think sometimes Wednesday nights is one of the highlights of my week. I don't know about you. I, I thoroughly enjoy coming in here and worshiping God with you. And it just seems like God's presence just begins to come in here. If you're a guest, we welcome you here. If you're a regular, glad you're here. If you're watching online, you're glad to be with us too. If you need a Bible tonight, raise your hand, get your hand up real high. We're going to put the Word of God in your hand. And again, we're going to feed your faith and starve your doubts. And so once you get a Bible, go with me the book of Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus, way back there in the beginning part of the New or the Old Testament. We're going to go to Leviticus 27, and this is a line on our tithes and offerings tonight. And uh, I believe God will touch your heart with this. I, I think that the eyes of the understanding will be enlightened in this passage just to see how important the tithe is to God. So we read Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land. Now, if you'll notice, he said all the tithe of the land. Not a quarter, not a half, not a little debit, but all the tithe of the land. Now, if you go back and you study the word tithe, it means a tenth. And so all the tenth of the land, now keep reading with me, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree. So he deals with something immediately here. He deals with a form of agriculture. Whether you are taking up crops or picking fruit from a tree, He's talking about this. He says, whether it's the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. What is the Lord's? That, that tenth is the Lord's. Now, the Bible's very clear. It is the Lord's. And not only it is the Lord, it is holy to the Lord. It is set apart to the Lord. In other words, it's a big deal to God. Why is it a big deal for God? Is God broke? No, he's not broke. And the, the electric bill's being play, paid in heaven. And the angels' robes aren't wore out, okay? So why is the tithe such a big deal to God? Because anytime I acknowledge God with my tithe, I am saying to him, you're my provider. You're my financier. And I love that thought. And so he goes on and gives us some other insight here in verse 31. He says, if a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes. In other words, what he's saying, if you want to take any of your tithe and you want to use it for something beyond the tithe, in other words, let's say you're out at Target and you find you a new baseball glove and you say, all I got is my tithe money. You can spend your tithe money on that, okay? But, look how he ends this. But he shall add one-fifth to it. So your tithe just went from 10% to 20%. <laughs> Uh-oh. Verse 32. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, now he's over to livestock. Now, the reason we highlight this is because back in these times in, in the nation of Israel, they were either farmers or they were ranchers. That's how they made their income. And so this is what he's talking about, the tithes of the herd or the flock. Of whatever passes under the rod, that tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. And so God makes it very clear. 
Whatever your occupation is, your, your means of making a living, that tenth is important, okay? It's important that God wants to bless us. He wants to take care of us. And I can just tell you this, and there'll be many in here that'll agree with me. The, the longer I've gone in my life and I've honored God with the tithe, I, I don't give it a thought anymore. I don't even give it a question. And what I mean, that man, when that comes in, I, it's not, am I gonna tithe? It's just, it's almost like a, a reaction. I, I get my money. I gotta honor God with it. And, and what happens, all the tithers say, I'm blessed, and all the non-tithers say, I can't afford to do it. Uh-oh. Well, do you think all of us that are tithers now, at one time in our life, we didn't say we couldn't afford it either? I, just, I can't afford it. I got more month than money. How many here, you got more month than money? Well, you've got more month than money, you need to start tithing and honoring God and watch what God will do, okay? Well, thank you for the two holy grunts. Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We honor you tonight. We thank you for your word in this area. Lord, we're grateful. We're grateful with our tithe. Lord, it's all yours. It's holy to you, separated to you. And we thank you, Father God, that we acknowledge you with our tithe as, as our provider. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, all right. Go, go with me way back now to the New Testament, to the back, to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, I'm, I'm going to be on this here. Uh, Peter will be after Hebrews, then James, and then you'll go into Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to be on this probably two or three weeks. And I've been studying this line on Peter for week after week after week. And I, I believe the Lord wants to point out some things to us that we can learn from the Apostle Peter. And so, just to set the table a little bit, James 1.19 says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anchor. Any of you in here, have you ever spoken before you thought? I, I've, I've done that numerous times. And you know, once those, those words go out, man, they're out there. It's not like you can't grab them and reel them back in. It's a done deal, it's out there. So I, I want to highlight that because this will play into this. So just to kind of get going here, and, and we're going to go through a lot of scripture, okay? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So Simon in his, is his original name, and later Peter calls him Peter, and we'll get to that. But it says here, and remember, he, he's the writer of this right now. This, he's the author of this. And, and just the point we got to get real quick here is Peter is at the end of his life. He, he's lived a lot of life. And so when you get this right here about what Peter will begin to talk to, understand this, this is not where Peter started at. But you begin to connect the dots in his life and you begin to see how every one of us are a work in progress. So he goes on to say, to those who have attained or received like precious faith or of the faith of the same value by the righteousness of God 
and our Savior of Jesus Christ. So he is under the authority and the lordship of Jesus. And he has a statement here that we have a faith like or equal to his. We're in a certain standing with, with God because of Jesus Christ. That's how I'm righteous, because of Jesus, okay? He qualifies, qualifies me that way. So what Peter is talking about right here, he's talking to every one of us that are born again. Now, when you give your heart to Jesus, this is what takes place. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, this is his prayer. This is like what Peter's praying. And he said, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, I love that thought. And he goes on to say that grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what you begin to see here is his desire when he talks about this peace and, and, and knowledge and the grace be multiplied to you. He's wanting us to grow up spiritually. And he tells us this is how we grow up spiritually. It's through the grace of God, the peace of God. That I just keep hanging out. You know, when, when you see someone that's living for God and lived for God their whole life, it's not because they get dressed in a phone booth. They start trusting the grace of God to keep working in them. Verse number three. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, what gives us the, the power of, of life and godliness? If you know, it's his power. His divine power within us, his divine power working in you and me has given us to all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. So that word knowledge there, it, it indicates an insight. And Peter's message right here is true knowledge is found in the God of Christ and the scriptures. So anytime I want to grow in the things of God, man, I got to look to God and I got to look to the scriptures. And so Peter goes on to say, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Now, Peter said this, this is God's desire for every one of us in here. And I love his terminology because he doesn't say just promises. He doesn't just say great promises. He said exceedingly, abundantly above great promises. His wording here exactly is exceedingly precious, great and precious promise through these. And listen to how he ends this. That you may be partakers of his divine nature. That God wants to put his DNA in you. And it happens when I get born again. Having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. And so what he's telling us that he, he implants his nature in us. And it's like in a seed form. And, and when he plants his nature in us. That doesn't mean that it will immediately translate into mature and godly living, okay? It doesn't mean just, boom, overnight, you're completely transformed. No, there's, there's a growth process, and that's what he's talking about here. 
And so what Peter's telling us that within every one of us, God wants to cultivate Christian maturity. And so just like Peter, you and me, we're a work in progress. Now, go back with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to tell you, we're going to be in the book of Matthew the rest of tonight. So, when I start talking about Peter, you're going to see some things in here that are almost going to be comical, okay? But, but in no way am I mocking Peter. In no way am I looking down my nose at Peter. In no way am I saying I'm better than Peter. But you're going to see some things. So when we get here to Matthew 4, this is the start of Peter's life. What we just read was the end of Peter's life. So what you'll see here in the beginning is Peter walked with the Lord Jesus for three years. But Peter still was very impulsive with his mouth, even though he was around Jesus. Now, the biggest two things that I find in Peter's life is one, he gave his heart to Jesus, and number two, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you go back and you start connecting the dots, you'll see all this. So let's start here in the beginning with this guy named Peter. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 17, from the time that Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So immediately, our, our first call or our first assignment is to answer God's call for repentance. Nothing's changed, okay? God desires that every one of us repent of our sin. This, this is a, a starting point, okay? This is the very first assignment. And if we're left to our, our own devices, our life tends toward a thing called self-centeredness and chaos. Now, can anybody in here re relate to that? Before you gave your heart to God, before you got born again, was it about self-centeredness? Is it about me? And was my life chaotic? Absolutely. Totally. And so what, what, what happens with this right here that we, we can look to everything this world has to offer. You, you can look to money. You can look to fame. And what you'll find out, none of it satisfies. Only Jesus will satisfy. And so he says here, Man, I got to come to God in a spirit of humble repentance. It never ends. Verse 18. So Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew's brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Now, when you read this here about these guys, These guys had already met Jesus. They, they had been around Jesus. Actually, they had been around his teaching. If you study in John, you'll find that out. So when Jesus comes upon them, this wasn't the first time he saw them, okay? But now he's by the Sea of Galilee. And verse 19, then he said to them, follow me. Follow me. 
Give your heart to me and follow me. And if you'll follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And so when you look at this, we have the exact same calling as Peter and his brother Andrew did. Exact same calling. What is that? We're called to be fishers of men. And if you're not fishing, you're not following. What do I mean by that statement? We're called to evangelize. And he said, I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. So immediately right here in this passage of scripture, Jesus desires for every one of us to get born again. But if you'll notice there, he didn't say, you're born again. Now your assignment's over. Guess what? If you're born again, you're called to be a fisher of man, a fisher of women. Doesn't matter who you are. Verse 20. And they immediately left their nets and, and they followed him. Now this doesn't mean that Jesus wants you to quit your job, okay? But wherever you work, you're called to be a fisher of men. Every one of us in here. So this is the starting point for Peter. This is how he started hanging out with, uh, this is how he started hanging out with Jesus, right here. This is the beginning of Peter's walk with Jesus. Turn a few chapters to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. Now, I'm going to try to go slow in this. I get a tendency to jump the gun. I get really in a hurry at times, and I don't have to. Matthew 14. So we're at a, a story with Jesus. He'd been preaching, and he tells his disciples, he said, boys, get in the boat and go to the other side, and I'll catch up with you. The only issue is he didn't tell them how he would catch up. He didn't say, I'll catch up. I'll be on a boat. Hey, boys, I got a jet ski over there. I'm going to catch up with you. So they're going across the Sea of Galilee, and we pick up Matthew 14, verse 25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Now, when you read this, put yourself in the boat. You would be screaming out for fear too, and so would I. We'd be screaming like a bunch of little kindergarten girls. Ah! Why do I say that? Have any of you ever seen someone walking on the water? And so it's easy to say, come on, disciples, what's up with you? But they see this guy walking on the water, and they scream. And Jesus hears this in verse 27. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, and he said, be a good cheer, fellas. Be brave. And he said, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Peter does what no one else on the boat does. He asked Jesus, Jesus, can I come to you on the water? Now, when Peter said this, I wonder if his impulsive mouth spoke before he thought. I wonder if Peter was saying this, tried to bluff Jesus a little bit to say, look how spiritual I am. Now, I don't know that. 
And so when he says, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come on, then in verse number 29, Jesus said, come. And Peter may have wet his pants right there. I didn't mean it, Lord. Come. And he went, and when he went, Peter had come down out of the boat, and he walked on the water to Jesus. But when Peter saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And so there's some interesting things in here because I go back to this and remember when Jesus strolls up, he says, be a good cheer, fellas. It's me. Don't be afraid. Now think about this. Jesus is looking at him and saying, be a good cheer, fellas. Don't, don't be afraid. And then out, out of nowhere, the next verse says, and Peter answered him. Now, I can't find anywhere in there where it says Peter asked him a question. Peter didn't ask him nothing, or Jesus didn't ask Peter nothing. But Peter just, he, he answers him. And when I look at this, I really wonder if Peter's mouth got him in trouble here. Because when he begins to seek, it's very apparent that, you know what? Peter knew who to call on. He called on Jesus. And, and then in verse 31, it says, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. And he said to him, he said to Peter, O ye of little faith. He didn't say, O ye of zero faith. He said, O ye of little faith. And then he said to Peter, Why did you doubt me? Jesus rebukes him. And in no way am I, I'm looking down on Peter, but you know what this shows me early in Peter's life as a believer? His faith was very raw. His faith needed to be developed. Just like me and you. Now, turn one book over to, to Matthew 15. Matthew 15 and in this parable, i got to paraphrase again. Jesus has been sparring with the Pharisees. Now, remember the Pharisees were a bunch of religious folk. And so what happens here with the Pharisees, they knew a lot about God. They just didn't know God. And so Jesus is going at them. He's sparring with them and da-da-da-da-da. So we, we get to chapter 15, verse 12. Then his disciples, now notice there, his disciples... They came and they said to him, do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard you, when they heard this saying that you were saying here? But he answered them and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. And then he says, let them alone. I ignore them, ignore the Pharisees. Why? They are blind leaders of the blind. If the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. So literally right here, Jesus says, they're blind to God's truth. They don't teach or follow God's principle. And so he says, stay away from them. Verse 15. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. Now, if you'll notice there again, and then Peter answered. What you'll begin to find out real quick, that Peter talked a lot. So he said, Lord, explain this to us. Verse 18, now watch this. 
Jesus said, but those things which proceed out of the mouth, they come from the heart and they defile a man. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, I, I want to read this to you. If you're a note taker, write this down. This is Proverbs 10, verse 19. In the multitude or abundance of word, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. In other words, you keep talking, you're going to eventually say something wrong. So Jesus right here, when Peter says, explain this parable to us, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the whole time Jesus is explaining this parable, I really wonder this, if he's not just looking at Peter. Pete, you got to get this. You got to get this. Matthew 16. We go a little farther with Peter. Verse 13. So when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And so they, the disciples said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16. Guess who was the first one to answer? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. Wow. Verse 17. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon. Now at this moment, he's still Simon. He said, blessed are you, Simon. And the reason he says this is because Peter right here, when he spoke this, Jesus affirmed what he said. Jesus salutes what he said. Jesus actually is like, correct, Peter. And he said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't then reveal this to you. And so the minute that Peter says this, the Lord says, you're blessed. And then the next verse, Jesus changes his name from Simon to Simon Peter, which Peter meant rock. And that's when Jesus said, and I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against my church because I'm going to build my church on people that are rocks, just like Peter. And then in Matthew 16, 19, he said, and Peter, on top of that, I'm going to give the church the keys of the kingdom and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So Jesus is telling them everything. And it's like, way to go, Peter. Same chapter. Chapter 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. So Jesus, he, he tells his disciples. Actually, he explains to him his mission. And he says... I'm going to die. There's an emphasis, I'm going to die. There's another emphasis that in three days, I'm going to be resurrected. So Jesus is explaining to him, this is what's going to take place, fellas. Verse 22. Then Peter. <laughs> Here's old Pete again. Then Peter took Jesus aside and begin to rebuke him. 
And I look at this and I think, he corrects Jesus. He reprimands Jesus. And just a little while before this, Peter had eloquently, and I say eloquently, confessed Jesus as Lord, proclaimed Jesus' true identity. And now Jesus is telling him all this stuff, and I really wonder if Peter's thinking, man, Lord, you just, you just told me in John 15, verse 18, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so to a degree, I wonder if he's telling Jesus, Jesus, your confession's horrible. Heaven forbid. You, you gotta quit speaking all that doubt and unbelief. You gotta change what you're speaking. And so he says here that he took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And so again, Peter's just confessed Jesus as Lord. Jesus has just declared him as the rock. But when he opens his mouth this time, things begin to go downhill. Jesus goes from calling Peter the rock. Now look at this. Look what Jesus says to him. But Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Uh-oh. Get away from me, Satan. Peter goes from Jesus saying, you're blessed, to Jesus reprimanding him. And he says, get away from me. You're not mindful. Of, you are an offense to me. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And so basically he's saying, Peter, you have human perspective instead of divine perspective. And he said, Peter, you're not going to be a stumbling block to me. Now again, you get to where we started at. That was the end of Peter's life. And so every one of us were a work in progress. Every one of us. Let me ask you a simple question. How many of you could honestly say, I've grown spiritually in the last year. I'm further along spiritually now than I was a year ago. That's, that's a great testimony right there. But it never stops. We gotta keep growing. And, and I believe this is a lot of the point of this right here. Let's take one more. One more tonight. Luke 17. Verse one. Now after six days or six days later, just six days. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brethren, led them up high on a mountain by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. So Jesus is transfigured, the, 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 the Mount of Transfiguration. Right before Peter, James, and John's eyes. This was an incredible encounter of these three Jewish fishermen. Can, can you imagine what they see right here? I mean, Jesus just changed right before their eyes. You talking about a mind blower. There's no high like the most high. I'm telling you that right now. They're looking like, oh my gosh. 
but it doesn't end there. Verse three, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. So Jesus has just been transfigured before him and all of a sudden, Moses, which represents the law and, and Elijah, which represents the prophets, they show up and, and notice what it says here. And it says they were talking with him. Elijah and Moses are talking with Jesus. They're in this conversation. Verse four. Then Peter answered. Peter's gotten good at this. Then Peter answered. The exact Hebrew saying when it says, then Peter answered, you know what it says? Because he didn't know what he was saying. And then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here or is it such a good thing that I'm here? If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And, and so Peter's talking, man. I, I mean, he is still talking. He's rambling and can you get it? Jesus is standing there, Elijah's standing there, and Moses is standing there, and Peter doesn't shut up. Now watch this, watch, watch this real close. Verse five, and while Peter was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. It was almost like Father God interrupted Peter and he was like saying, shut up, Peter. Hear him. The Hebrew for that right there, you know what it literally says? When it says God said to hear and hear him, you must constantly listen to him. It's hard to hear from the Lord when you constantly speak. This was a day that I believe marked Peter. I mean, you got Jesus on the scene. You got Elijah and Moses, and all of a sudden, God says, shut up, Peter. Why do I share this with us? Because every one of us have dilemmas. Every one of us have hangings. Every one of us are a work in progress. And God's desire for every one of us is to fine tune us. I've been serving God for over 40 years now. But I remember back in the early days, I'd do some of the stupidest stuff. And I look how God just begins to just lovingly and kindly begin to mold you and shape you. Remember, he's the potter and we're the clay. And just so loving and kind, he'd, he'd pull me out of the oven on a cookie sheet and said, no, you're not done, get back in. Day by day by day. And something happens when we become teachable, that we listen to God, we listen to the word, we listen to the, and I believe this is what was beginning to take place.
that God's desire for us to mature spiritually. And you know what? There may be seasons. It looks like you're taking some baby steps. And there may be seasons. It looks like you're taking a leap. But when I look at the start of Peter and I look at the end of Peter, man, God begins to work in us in great ways. And so again, I highlight, I wasn't looking down my nose at Peter because his issues may not be your issues, may not be my issues. But what would be the one thing right now, just, just one thing, just one thing. Now, let's not talk about 10. And some of you say, well, it's at least 20. Now, just one. What would be the one thing that you could look to Father God and say, Lord, I, I need your grace tonight. I need your grace. And what if we just prayed what Peter said, that God's peace and his grace would be multiplied to us? Why don't you stand up here? Now, don't, don't miss, we're, we're, gonna keep, we're gonna keep going with Peter. And I'm gonna tell you, you're, you're gonna see some things biblically that I believe will really begin to challenge you. So when Jesus corrects you, and you know, the, the Bible's very clear who the Lord loves, he corrects. And I don't care how old you are spiritually, sometimes you need an old-fashioned butt spanking. Sometimes we need to be correct. But when the Lord corrects you, how do you receive it? Do you mope around? Do you pout around? Do you ignore God? Or do you say, man, you're the creator. You know best. You know best. So right here where we're at, if you feel comfortable, let's, let's raise our hands here to heaven, Father. Let's just pray here. Father God, we come before you right now. And Lord, just like Peter, we all have a flesh that needs to be redefined right now. And Father God, as we stand before you, Lord, I, I ask right now that just that one thing, and you, you tell him right now, just that one thing. Father God, grace me in my tongue. Grace me in my mouth. Grace me in my attitude. Grace me, Father God, that I'm not dominated by anger. Grace me tonight, Father God, that I'm not, I'm not judgmental or critical. Woo. And Father God, right now, as, as we pray and we ask you to grace, this Holy Spirit begin to move within us, that you would put a, a, a fruit called self-control and patience within every one of us. Lord, we welcome that right now. And we ask you right here on this Wednesday, do a work within us. Do a work in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.